everybody. I am here with one of my best friends. And I think the older you get, I don't know what it is about turning 40, but like your childhood friends, the ones that last, the ones that make it, like they hold a whole different value. Um, these are the folks that knew you before you could do you. <laughs> they remember, matter of fact, they remember you before you even knew what you could do. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, they, they remember the truth. They remember like how you jacked up stuff. So like me, Jonathan Brown, his family, my family, we are all at the same church growing up, uh, learning to be terrible musicians. And I was four years older, so I, I caught on to music a little earlier than he did. So, you know, when you're 12, you roast eight years old, eight year olds. Right. <laughs> John caught the business for a while. Um, but then I don't know, man. God did some bogus. Maybe it's because I talked about him. He gave him like an extra added dose of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this brother can play about near every instrument. Uh, he's an amazing hip hop artist. And then intellectually, he passed up most people that I knew. Um, just amazing. His knowledge of African culture, his knowledge of, you know, just kind of the social construct and the things that he brings to the table, just in general conversations. I figured there is no better person for me to start this out with than Mr. Jonathan Brown. Um, we've done music together. We have worked even, he spent some time at a college in Platteville where we got together and he did some amazing things through the arts, uh, specifically for urban and inner city kids, uh, raising the numbers there at colleges and just an amazing person. And we have a little bit of fun when we get together. So Absolutely. I'm sure that's going to be part of this conversation today. But instead of me trying to figure out the best way to introduce him with what he's into now, John, I want you to talk a little bit about who you are, you know, what's going on in your life, man. How are things going? Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate that intro. Um, so I'll, I'll say this, you know, the way I like to describe myself when I when I could do anything like professionally is like, you know, I'm a husband, I'm a dad, um, you know, beyond that, you know, I'm a, I'm a thinker. You know, I'm a, I'm a person who um, who's constantly reflecting um, about what's going on. And I'll say the thing that probably undergirds most of, of how I think about the world is it's centered through this concept of like self authorship. And so a lot of what of my intellectual pursuits are is um, part educating, part um, authoring my own narrative publicly uh, to people. Um, and I think, um, you know, as we get into that, I, th I think historically, I think black folks have been deeply deprived of their ability to define themselves, to tell their own stories, um, to be holders of their own history. And so uh, I see myself um, doing that as and in a lot of ways as an act of defiance um, to a society that wants to kind of like encapsulate and shush and, and control narratives. So for me, I, I see I see myself somewhat as a intellectual revolutionary. Like I'm not I'm not in the streets. I see myself more as a person who um, is, I see like self-love, teaching other people how to love themselves, teaching other people how to write their own narratives as, a, as an act of revolution. And so, um, so that's what I'm about. I'm a, I'm a history writer, um, just differently, because I'm not, I'm not encapsulating the day-to-day. -day. Um, I'm encapsulating how to write your own. Yeah, and you are getting it in. Um, I, mm -hmm. I check out your page every day. Number one, just to see who you're going to make mad. <laughs> oh, man. 
already know somebody as many likes and shares as you get. I already know some people leave your page. Like, I ain't never coming back to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't checked my friends list to see who who uh, who hit the deuces on me. You might uh, want to look at it because I'm sure it's probably some people you work with. No. <laughs> <laughs> I can't go there. <laughs> No, brother, man, I'm just I'm happy to have you. I'm happy to have this conversation. To, you know, we just go be us. So we're giving you guys again just a look into. We get on the phone and we just talk, man. We laugh, we share, we be angry, we be laughing. We talk about people. We talk about each other. Now right. the thing is, he's flipped it. He talks about me more now than <laughs> I think he's still repaying me from childhood stuff. Right yeah, now. yo, Jay used to talk about us so bad. Me and my and my guy Jerry, his cousin, man, he they used to talk about us so bad. <laughs> um, I mean, it was bad. Like you be growing up, you be like, do he hate me? <laughs> <laughs> nah, bro, it's just love. <laughs> yeah, you be on that. Uh, you ever see that crying? Uh, that crying meme when every other day was like. Aah! Right, like you be in there like laughing, but like inside you just like crying, like man, why you gotta do me like that? Oh, uh, like especially after like little man like with Jack up somebody haircut and then y'all roast day hairline, like he wasn't the author of that destruction. Um, <laughs> man, little man got all of us jacked up at some point, so that was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. But no, nah, I you know I, I definitely try to dish back these days. I, I think um, it's a little bit more evenly matched than it was back then. Yeah, this clown actually wrote a song about a V-neck T-shirt that I wore. That you know, I might share that. Stop um, it! Stop it! Because I just add the audio. This was probably what like eight, nine years ago. Yeah, this, man. This dude still brings it up. And the bogus part. Here's the bogus part. My wife made me wear the shirt. She made me buy the shirt. Made me wear the shirt. This person that I love <laughs> uh, <laughs> writes this bogus song. Gives it to us, makes us listen to it. She laughs the hardest. She didn't defend me. She didn't look out for me. <laughs> Even to this day, he brought it up this morning. She in the back. Because <laughs> it's, it's joyful. You know, like, you know, matter of fact, uh, if we had a time, you know, I'm going I'm to a, I'm a bust it out for him. Okay, let's get on with this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but man, like we're in this crazy, this crazy world right now. Obviously, there's been a ton of things happening. And it's not even that this is new. It's like the most recent one, which is terrible to even have to say, but it's true. Um, this Jacob Blake situation that has happened, video went crazy viral. Um, you know, people are people are already divided. I feel like this just pushed, just pushed it some more because we're looking at the same thing, but we're seeing two different things. You know, what's kind of been your take or what are you experiencing? Uh, obviously there and for those that don't know obviously we didn't even say he john lives in minnesota uh, actually in st paul um and already has gone through a lot of this in minneapolis seen what happened with the george floyd thing and now with you know i come from literally moved from kenosha john lived in kenosha for a time mm -hmm. um and we're watching kind of what's happening there so put that into perspective of what you're seeing now with this jacob blake thing yeah you know uh, so um and this bleeds in a little bit into our later discussion about the reflection, but you know, the, the Jacob Blake thing and, and what I've realized is like, um, you know, I wrote, I think on like the 25th that like riots are like, um, a social Rorschach test, right? Like it, 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 it is kind of like, you can see meaning in, in all of it. Right. But I think the same thing with, with Jacob Blake, it's, 
I think police violence is a, also a psychological and cultural Rorschach test. Um, that it is like, you know, um, even though we know, right, there's implicit bias trainings that show that um, with black men in particular, like cell phones are misconstrued as guns. Yeah. Right. Like, we, like we know these things to be true. Um, and so when you watch videos and you see these kind of deeply entrenched uh, pathological views of black men show up in people's um, in their defense of, of um, police, it's, it's interesting. And I also I should also say um, as a person and I'll get into like, you know, as a person, that, you know, as, a, as a brother that's seeking therapy and like all those things from like a lot of the racial trauma I've experienced in my life. Also being able to kind of get meta with your own self and to be like, and even within our own community and the community of black folks, it's like that our trauma also informs what we see yeah. Um, yeah. in those videos. Um, and, and so I think like it, it is a bit of a Rorschach test, um, less politics. I think people think it's political when you talk about Black Lives Matter. Or you talk about like that. It's, it's, it's really not politics. Like, you know, for one, it's a it's a matter of, of like life, a course of of life that you experience on a routine. Yeah. Um, and to the other, it's a it's a topic. It's a, it's a conversation. It's a thought exercise because it's not an experience they have. Um, and so we are having conversations about the same thing. Um, but in a way, it, it, with two different types of epistemology, yeah. one being a, a way of knowing from experience and one being a way of knowing, um, you know, through knowledge and thought. Um, and so I think part of the wedge that's driven is that, like, we don't recognize that. Like, we're, we're trying that we are skipping the steps, yeah. right, of engaging the humanity of the other person um, to immediately talking about the subject and not really realizing, like, this person is detached and they're cold to it because it's not their life. Um, and that you are hot to it and, and very deeply connected because it is your life. Um, and that if we, if I think, especially as black folks, if we want to be honest with it, that it is like a portal into our own trauma. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that, the, like I said, the, the Jake Blake thing, and obviously, you know, what we experienced with, with George Floyd, this is very much deja vu yeah. um, for me, um, especially when, you know, you can drive to the state border um, Wisconsin and Minnesota and you could see the fire blazing. Um, from Wisconsin um, in, in Minneapolis, um, you know, and, and, you know, myself, you know, knowing friends who were, who were hit with tear gas and bullets and, and knowing what they were doing. And, and so I think it's just all of this is, is a, a kind of a remnant. Um, it, it's a remnant of what I experienced in, in Minneapolis and it's going to keep happening. Um, and I don't think for the reasons people think it's, it's happening Yeah. Um, until we understand that one, I think riots are like a force of nature. They're like hurricanes and tornadoes, like conditions just exist for them to happen. This is a human thing. It's not modern. Um, this happens through all throughout history. Um, and I think we just have to, at some point get like, take a step back and engage in each other's humanity, which I think, as you might imagine, like for a black person who's like looking at a white person, it's just like, yo, I've endured so much of your hands. Like, I'm not trying to humanize you. Yeah. Um, and for white people who may not be in the habit of humanizing black people, but it's, it's also a foreign concept. But I think um, our, our only path through this is, is through empathy. Um, through understanding, and, I, and I'll talk about, again, we get into my reflections because I, I talk about that, like through, through empathy and not like, oh, I'm, you know, like that's soft stuff that we talk about, but like really understanding how genuinely difficult it might be um, for a white person to watch 
the reality that what they've been told is probably not true. I think that plays a big role in a lot of it because I know I've had some conversations with people and, you know, you're not trying to argue with them, but you almost feel like they're putting a wall up because if what I'm saying is actually true, then that affects their entire mental construct of what's been happening in this country. You know what I'm saying? Like if what I'm saying is actually true, then maybe they have benefited in some ways. If it's actually true, maybe it's not just as easy as, you know, you go to work, you do what you're supposed to do, do what you're told and good things will happen. Um, And I feel like I've run into that a few times in just general conversations where there, in my mind, there's two truths, you know, yes, the world that you live in, that's actually, that's a real world. Hey, in your community, mm-hmm. that's actually how things work um, for your culture. That's actually how this operates. And I'm not saying that's not true. What I'm saying is there's, there's under the same system, the same world, the same earth, sometimes the same <clears> community, <throat> how I'm treated, how I'm looked at, how this system works for me can look very different. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't take away from your truth. Um, and I, I have a thing that I wrote in one of my posts that I just think it's um, it's really apropos for what you're talking about. Yeah. So um, so it starts like this. It's like, you know, I want to be free to define myself for myself by myself and not have to contend with people trying to bring me down because they are small and they have never been taught how to process the complex emotions that come with dealing with hard world altering truths. I know it must be devastating to hear the world really isn't fair that the foundations of the things that make you feel secure aren't rock solid, but rather are built upon the petrified bodies, deferred dreams, and collective grief of people trampled for centuries for your sense of superiority and accomplishment. There's no easy way to rip off that Band-Aid, right? And I think, like, that there is challenge in that. But, like, I think what I'm trying to kind of convey is is an empathetic posture um, that I do think that sometimes for us it is so normal um, to go through these things and to realize that like what we are presenting is a world ending proposition mm-hmm. that like it is to me, it's not just, Oh, the world's not fair and whatever. It's like, but like it calls into question everything is my, so was I not the smartest kid in school? Would, did I, did I not earn what I have? Like, is my inheritance all tainted answer actually is yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but I think like, I don't think that we realize, um, how it undermines like an integrated self and how that creates an internal schism. And, um, I don't feel sorry for it. I, I'm just saying like, we, we, we have to understand yes. that that's kind of what animates the pushback. Yeah. Um, that we are, we are th- like the truth of what we're saying is Thanos, right? And I think that we don't always realize that, that if, if what we're saying is legitimately true, we're snapping their world out of existence on Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and some folks is literally being the Avengers right now. And they're like, no, you can't. This is the world I've lived in. This is, I think it's a lot of, of comfort. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm comfortable with this. And it's not to say, I don't look at a lot of it. There are racists in the world. I think a lot of it Mm -hmm. that we're dealing with right now isn't so much racism. It's just what's been what's been comfortable. Um, I've even said technology has finally caught up. We in the African-American community, we've been saying these things. We've been expressing these these truths 
because they are true. We've been saying it. We have our own system of letting each other even know. My mother would tell me certain neighborhoods don't go through there. She would say, hey, certain times of night, don't go through that air, through that area. Just go around. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've always had a code of how we interacted with police. We were taught at young age, like, here's what you do. I don't care what they do, what they say, make it home. Uh, like we've had these conversations for, for decades. You can go back centuries, let's be honest, of how we should engage, how we should interact. Again, just a couple of generations ago, my grandfather, you grew up in Mississippi, you know, you you make eye contact with a white woman. You right. could be lynched for that. Right. Um, so there were there were rules of engagement that we've been following for a very long time. People didn't necessarily believe us, and then the the idea of people even being able to see it for themselves wasn't even possible because we didn't have cameras. We didn't have a way to to right. show you what happened. And then if we went and told somebody, we file a report that might go somewhere, more than likely not. We go to the news media. Somebody has to make a decision, number one, to believe us, and number two, to run the story. Mm-hmm. Now, finally, technology on this wonderful thing right here <laughs> right. where I don't have to prove anything. You know what? I'm going to hit record. I'm going to catch this entire thing in real time. And I'm going to show you that what I've been saying is true. I'm going to let you see what's been happening. Right. And I don't have to report it. I don't have to have someone else share it. I can share it for myself. I can get on Twitter and let it go viral. I can put it on Facebook. I can put it on Snapchat. And people can see it moments after it happened to make their own conclusion. We haven't always had that type of power. And I feel, and I would love to hear you talk about this, for the first time in American history, we have a voice that's equal to everything else. Mm-hmm. And our voice can't be shut up. It can't be stopped. It can't be eliminated. It can't be minimized. We're here. And finally, we're saying what we've always said. But now you have to listen. And I feel like that's what's causing a lot of a lot of angst in certain areas. We're expressing what we've always expressed. But now it's at a volume where you have to pay attention to it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, and I think, you know, the other thing, too, is like you can't shut it down. You know, there, there used to be times you, you know, you beat up a couple people at lunch counter and, you know, <laughs> like you call it what it is. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the thing that was like, so I agree. So I'll talk about technology and that's something I think that is really revolutionary that's happening um, with pro sports. Um, but like when I think technology, right, um, I also think about the ways that, especially for uh, black culture in America, right? Like one of the things I wrote about in my other reflection um, yesterday was actually related to the idea that somebody, like somebody I care cared about like <laughs> they, they, they went to the scrap heap after this uh to be just very transparent like um, I, yeah i caught that ed yeah, <laughs> yeah like i'm a, I'm a long-suffering brother but like there's just certain things I don't, I don't mess with right yeah but one of the things that they was doing this is a white person who i actually helped a lot um at some points in their life and um basically was just like they said black culture was effed up they were just like you know like we got our priorities wrong and i'm just like mm, you know that's interesting you know um I think what has been, um, even though, so black culture's messed up, but that's why all of our dances are copied and our hair is copied and our, and our style of dress and people want to talk like us and they, they tan their, themselves and they, and they do all these different techniques to, to be like us, right? But, but we're messed up, right? That, that's, that's, what, that's what the narrative is. Um, but we're the number one exported culture globally, right? 
technology in a lot of ways has democratized our image. Mm -hmm. um, we're not sambos. We're not just um, playthings that get to kind of get put out to the rest of the world. Like we're just criminals. Like we get to define our own narratives. You know, TikTok. Um, you know, despite some of the challenges, I think with the security issues of TikTok, yeah. I think TikTok gave us a window into the next, like Richard Pryors and, and like the next great dancers and the, and the, and the next great artists um, that we've been able to um, even create an economy apart from what used to be, right? Like you and I, I mean, think about this, man. Like you got your iMac and your rocket speakers, me too. And think about how many projects we've been able to do without the interference of a record label telling us what we got to do. Yeah. We've released like tons of music bro like you know what i'm saying um and so i think technology even outside of being able to like show the day in our world i think we underestimated the degree to which um perception uh, affects so even though we can record the whole thing and be like ah you know he was resisting he was like right resisting is not like a capital crime but okay um but like even though we underestimated estimated that it's like we get to we are our own cnn we we do not need intermediaries to speak for us and i think that is what has been so frustrating i think for people is they can't shut it up yeah um and what's been so powerful is when when i saw um because like look man let me let me just let me just honor it real quick uh, our sisters man been in the game for a minute right WNBA been on it you know um the u.s u.s soccer's been on it you're like all of the, all, you know, the women have been, they, they're always right. They always leave. We late all the time. Every time, bro, we late. We be like, I'm getting there. Right. But I think it was powerful for the Milwaukee Bucks to not take the court. And for the, and for um, the Raptors to be like, yeah, we're not going out either. And then for, for the Clippers and Lakers to be like deuces. Because I think one of the things, particularly with black men, that has been so hard to get to happen is that we we have to understand that we have to be willing to take short-term losses to get the game that we want. Yeah. Like, I got to be, like, in the end, you know how good Giannis Antetokounmpo is? I'm going to tell you this. There ain't an owner in the NBA that was ever as good as Giannis at anything. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, you know, it's like, you know, I used to say this about Aaron Rodgers, right, because he's so accurate. It's like, man, I wish I was just good at what I do, as good as what I do is Aaron Rodgers is at throwing the football. Right, right. And I think there's a lot of people who aren't nearly as good at what they do as Giannis is to playing basketball. And so it's fantastic when a person of his stature is just like, I'm not doing it. Yeah. And then they have the Detroit Lions call practice. Right. To have to have all these, you know, to have LeBron James be like, yo, that's why we that's why we feel hunted. I think that they, they want this narrative to go away. And, and this is this is why I think you got teenagers out there with, with hunting rifles, shooting people. I think this is why you got the intimidation tactics that are coming. It's like there is a shift happening. Yeah. Um, I don't know why everybody thought that he was going to go quietly. <laughs> and so I think like that's that for me is like you're 100 percent right. I think technology has allowed us to tell our own stories. And I think now that we are collectively realizing like, man, this paycheck's not worth these bullet holes. Yeah. Um, and that the men have finally gotten on the page with our sisters and and that we gonna walk in lockstep. It ain't even about getting in the street and having to demonstrate anymore. It's about realizing that we could suffocate this economy if we just don't spend in it because we got trillions of dollars of, of purchasing power. Mm -hmm. We we generate what nine billion dollars for the NFL. Seventy one percent of us, you know, of the players are African American. You know, fifty five million dollars a school for Division One football. Um, you know, the NCAA tournament. It's like the fact that we generate so much money and don't have any access. Like, yeah, 
when we start real, like when the Pac-12 players was like, yo, see, I'll fix this. We not playing. Yes. Game changer. Yes. And that was the Game first time, changer. you know, that I remember anybody ever getting to that place of saying, here's literally our demands or we're not going to do this. And not just, you know, not just the, the B team, like right. the folks that deserve the scholarship they got, the people that are helping bring that money into the NCAA uh, saying, you know what, until we have some conversations and come to some some understanding on how things need to be moving forward, we're going to withdraw what we bring that's generating these funds. Because we are the product. For you, yes. And really realizing, like, there ain't no power in being a product. Yeah. You know, products sit on shelves for other people to grab and to consume and then throw away. And when you realize that the, the one thing that you have as the product is that you're the living, walking um, conduit through which people become billionaires, yeah. you own them whether or not you know it. And I think that has been so great. And so the internet has allowed that message to spread. It has allowed us to be encouraged by it. It has allowed us to, to realize that like we have a stake and a place um, that we need to be. And so I'm, I'm, to be honest with you, man, like, because like, you know what, because I never feel safe in America, you know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't even think like safety is not even the thing I'm looking for, you know, from this country. Um, I don't feel any worse than I have, but I feel actually very encouraged um, to watch the NFL, even the NHL, you know, when, um, when Evander Kane was just like, what y'all doing in NHL? Everybody else doing their thing. And even they was like, all right, we're going to cancel these games. Right. You know, right. it's like when, 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 a, when a single black player can be like, what y'all doing? And they're like, you right. You know, when, when we watch Roger Goodell, and I can't wait, I can't wait to the NFL season when they boycott and be like, give Cap his job back. Like, we won't see if that was like lip service or not. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like he painted himself into a funny little corner. Um, but I, but I, I love it. I, I think like, this is what we have to do. We have to take these short term losses. Like somebody, some dudes going to lose their NFL contracts. You, that's gotta be, you gotta be willing to do it for progress. Yeah. You're exactly right. It's going to cost something, mm-hmm. you know, to see people actually not just understand it, but I think also through the internet, you realize you're not by yourself. You know, maybe in times right. past you could have felt isolated because, you wouldn't have known what's going on, honestly, in Minnesota if you lived in, shoot, Wisconsin, literally, unless you drove there, unless you went there physically, saw for yourself, Straight up. or unless literally it was shown on the news. That was mm-hmm. it. Now, I can see people who feel just like me, who are passionate about it, who are taking short-term L's all right. across the nation, and you realize, man, it's not just me. Man, if we can... If we can hold on if I can hold on a little longer you know that's encouraging so I'm happy to see that I think honestly this is the only way if there's going to be any lasting change it's going to have to come from people being willing to take some losses and unfortunately that's on both sides because as we're saying hey I'm willing to take this loss in the short term there's going to be a long term loss in in another area Mm mm-hmm and we're okay with it because we've been taking these losses for a long time. And now it's 101 like, years. Man. So at this point, it is. What's another one? We got we to balance this out. We got to even this out. And the only way is we have to be willing to take some losses. We have to be willing to coordinate the way many people have. Um, so it's, it's great to see even what we're doing right now, just from a technology standpoint. We couldn't have done this, man, some years ago where you had a whole other state. Right. And we both on the screen sitting here talking, sharing, like, and then we can 
We can edit it. Mm -hmm. We can produce it. We can post it and send it wherever we want it to go. Not worrying about censorship, not worrying about, you know, it being removed from channel two because uh, we don't like you in this slot. And our sponsors are unhappy with like 2.3 seconds of what y'all talked about. Yes, yes. I I have no sponsors. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> and by the time we get some, we're gonna need the right ones because I know right. we're gonna do something that's gonna make somebody mad. <laughs> oh, uh, undoubtedly.